welcome to Bachelor Theory. My name is Julia Deloyce, and we are recapping episode two of The Bachelor, episode two of Matt James. You guys, you are catching me at an emotional moment. I got a lot of raw frustration because I just came off of watching the episode a few minutes ago, and if you saw it, you know we got a super frustrating to be continued at the end after, you know, right partway through Rose ceremony and everything. I know uh, I said in the last episode that I like going on the journey that producers want to take me on, but I don't like it when it frustrates me or gets in the way of my bracket, honestly. I only just started doing a bracket for the first time this season, and I'm already upset about my bracket. It's looking pretty good, if anyone's wondering. Room, who could be my wife. Uh, journey officially beginning. We got all the classic hits. Um, and he, I mean, look, I'm not complaining about the showering scene. I'm actually in a weird place with my horniness for Matt James. Um, I'm actually not, I appreciate him as like a hot, very good looking like specimen. I feel appreciative, but I actually, it's more appreciative than horny. I feel I'm not personally attracted to him, even though I enjoy looking at him. Is that a thing? That's how I'm feeling. Um, but here's the first theory that I'm going to launch at you because I think we're all starting to see it and maybe different people are sort of on different journeys as to like whether or not they are ready to accept it. But I feel ready to uh, dip my toes in the, po- in the pond of Matt doesn't have game, maybe, right? Right? I mean, okay, I would love to know your thoughts on this. I am like not seeing it. It makes me really glad he's this hot, right? I I also, you know, I can buy that he's early on. It's only episode two. He's never even been in the Bachelor universe before. So he's still getting used to everything. And I'm on board for that too. I would love to be wrong about this. Believe me, no one would love for me to be wrong more than me. So we see the women and they're all in fall wear. Uh, And we find out that there's going to be a group date this week and then two one-on-ones. So there's actually going to be women who don't get to go on any date at all. Chelsea reads the date card and it goes to Brie. Poor Brie. She then says, I wore my worst outfit today. That sucks. It looked really cute though. I I feel like her worst outfit is like better than I could ever dream of looking. Plus she's super fucking hot. So it really doesn't matter what outfit she's wearing. So Matt takes her uh, to their date location and reveals that they will be riding ATVs, um, which looks pretty wild. It looks pretty fun. Now, the other girls are, of course, watching them go at it. They're saying, uh, Anna says, she's not very good at it. And they're all kind of like trashing her ATV skills as if that's like something that all of us should have. I don't know. I'm sensing like a lot of meanness coming through right away. I don't know if it's like, you know, we, sh- we the season was shot in the fall of 2020. It's 2020. Everyone's like kind of ready to be mean. I don't know. Sensing a lot of meanness. Now, while Bree and Matt are having a great old time, we go back to the hotel where um, it's kind of that classic segment where all the women are sitting on the couch and they're kind of being prompted, you know, to 
talk about how they feel about someone else being on a date with Matt. So, of course, they're, you know, they're saying I would have loved to get the time. Mostly everyone's like pretty chill about it, but I'm happy for her, you know. So, of course, Victoria wants to stir stuff up and she is the first to say, I wanted to be on that date, so I'm not happy about it. It's kind of like, I mean, yeah, girl, like they're just kind of like saying that. Nobody's happy about it, but she really goes deep on saying this and this starts a conflict that sort of lasts until the end of the episode. She, we get a Frankenbite of her saying, I'm sick of all you guys. I want to spend time with Matt. Which is funny that it's a Frankenbite because she actually, I mean, we actually see her say more shocking shit than that. So it seems like they don't really need to Frankenbite her. She's already mean enough. Now, Jasenia really shines here with a move that I absolutely love. Uh, it's sly, it's smart, it's savvy. You got to respect it when she says, well, it has to do with how people manage their emotions. For example, I'm actually able to be really happy for someone. So she really took the moment to shine for herself, which I appreciate. Um, yeah, Jasenia, respect. Now, I'm having a hard time with Victoria um, and it's not because I can't handle a villain but I keep kind of going back and forth about her between like is she self-aware is she not self-aware I keep not being able to decide and just when I think I know something strikes me as the total opposite so at this point in the episode I am thinking that she's not but that does switch later which we'll get to so Brie and Matt uh, are, are back on the ATVs. They're having a great time. Um, this sort of reminds me of a date like that I would like kind of have to like pretend was a really good time. Like it feels like you might be getting like shaken and jostled around a lot, almost like being on a ride at a fair or like, you know, when you're like riding in a convertible and it's actually kind of a bad time because your hair keeps blowing in your face, but there's like kind of pressure to like put on a good show and I don't know. I'm sensing a lot of fake laughing. That's what that's what I would be doing if I were on this ATV date. Uh, too much shaking, too much jostling. I I would be faking it or not. Maybe I would just be straight up and let my date know. But Brie is way more gracious than me. Um, now they do take a pretty rough fall, which provides Matt a weird opportunity to talk to the camera and apologize to Brie's mom for Brie falling on an ATV. Um, not really sure what this is about, but I do know, like, we are really leaning into the narrative of Matt as a good guy. You know, he's talking, he, he's close with his mom. He's got this weird segment where he's talking to Bree's mom. I'm not saying he's not a good guy. I'm just saying we're leaning hard into it. Um, and we're all kind of eating it up. I'm, I'm down for it. Matt chops some wood, um, and we get a you know we get a chance to admire his physique once again uh and they get to go in a hot tub which this hot tub i mean it seems like a nice i would be into it i would be into it they have a hot hot tub makeout um and he says oh as they're kissing he says this he says i got some mud in my mouth which is sort of like exhibit i don't know jay for matt not having game this episode we're monitoring the situation we cut back to the hotel for probably my favorite quote of the episode, which is Victoria saying, I'm sick of this girl power shit. Um, <laughs> I really love that from her. 
we get some weird shots of her like talking to producers in this kind of like hidden camera style that we don't usually see this early on. We usually kind of see this in the more dramatic moments like way 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 down the line when there's maybe three or four left and emotions are really high so that was kind of curious it seems like maybe they're packing as much in with her as possible um because maybe we don't have that much longer with her now on the night date Bree and Matt are really connecting. They are connecting about growing up with single moms, their dads not really being around or reliable. Uh, This feels like a week five or six date in a good way. I mean, usually the connection, the emotions are not that strong that early, but and sometimes if they are this early, I tend to not believe them, but it feels like they're diving in and it feels like they're really genuine. So I really like Brie. I like this connection a lot. It also bodes well for my bracket. So there's that. Back at Nemecolin, we have tensions clearly rising between Victoria and pretty much everyone else. Now, Victoria, she's a bit of a monster, but I do think like monster or not, there's something that's a big bummer about watching, particularly in a group of women, like one woman kind of uh, singled out and being like against the entire group. And I believe that Victoria probably did a lot to stoke this fire, but it's just a bummer vibe. I hate it. If you've ever been in that situation you recognize it. it and you know nobody really wins it it all it sucks all the way around so okay i just watched this show uh this just happened like an hour ago and i already can't remember um who somebody i can't remember if victoria calls another girl psychologically disturbed or if somebody else calls her that i don't know why i can't remember that it just happened um, but to whoever did it, you're getting, you're getting scolded. I'm shaking my little finger at you. Um, yeah, a little too free with like mental health language and diagnoses. And that's always kind of, it's always popping up on the show. And I wish that, you know, I wish people wouldn't say it and I wish that they would edit it out, uh, when they do. Cause it's really, it's not cool. Um, And yeah, I think we're probably getting more of that, unfortunately. So we're heading to the group date and Matt is telling us a little bit about how he's never seen a healthy marriage. You know, Um, he didn't get to watch a healthy marriage between his parents. um, So he doesn't really know, you know, what it might feel like to be in that kind of relationship or that kind of love or whatever. And this kind of uh speaks to a trend that's on the show we often see the flip side of this which i think we've already gotten a lot of it this season where people uh will sort of assert the the longevity of their parents marriage as like sort of a a virtuous reason that they themselves want to be married and like would be a good partner and i was just talking with a friend about this the other night and we were talking about how Like, experience being in relationships doesn't necessarily translate to, like, how good of a partner you are. You know, like, if if your parents, especially, like, your parents, you know, so seeing a healthy marriage, I have no doubt that that's a good influence. I have no doubt that that is a positive thing for a child. But we see this a lot where, like, 
what they're surrounded by, particularly their parents' relationships, sort of informs how good of a partner they might be. And it's just not really true. It's a very curious phenomenon. Um, so the group date, of course, is uh, the wedding photo shoot date. It's a classic. It's a staple. You know it. You love it. Um, or maybe you don't love it. I I don't love it. Um, I hate the imagery. I it really fucking sucks, dudes. Like, I all the women lined up in their veils and their white dresses, and there's only one of him. And I know that that's the whole premise of the show. I get it, but just when we see something that heavy-handed, it makes me feel gross. It makes me feel weird. They're all like aspiring to be brides. I hate it. It's bad optics. Um, but one thing I'm really curious about is they all look phenomenal in their dresses. Did they all like? Ha- did they all know to pack nude underwear? Like, do producers tell them that kind of thing? The level of coordination is amazing. So I'm I'm sure they they had to know because I did not see any panty lines, no black bras, nothing. So who pops in to surprise them on this group date? Oh, I don't know, maybe the only person who ever pops in to surprise anyone ever on this show. Uh, It's Chris Harrison, and he has a little twist on this wedding photo shoot date. Um, He introduces a game called Capture the Heart. Uh, It's a variation of Capture the Flag. Um, I fucking hate this name. It's so stupid, but I love it. I love when he says, when he says it, he says, capture the heart. And all the women are like, okay, like they're really into it. They're really impressed uh, (laughs) with that variation. So then we get into this weird thing that often happens on The Bachelor, particularly on group dates. And it's that thing where we like equate how good someone is at a sport or a game with like how good they are as a partner and also how compatible they are with Matt right so we kind of they frame it like who is going to fight for Matt's heart who is going to put themselves out there the most put it all on the line who is ready to you know dig deep and and make it work because relationships are work and I get it like they have to you know impose stakes on on this and uh to do that they need to make this a little bit of a stretch um so I get it but it's it's weird right like I I would I would not be good at this game um I actually I hate games so I wouldn't even like it but if I were a contestant on this show that doesn't really say anything I mean I would try hard probably uh but it doesn't really say anything about you know how into Matt I am or or anything like that so that's a weird trope of the show um that I I always it always gives me pause the red team really has some big dick energy and they end up winning um and Mari wins uh MVB most valuable bride um uh can you tell that I hate this I hate it uh I don't know valuable uh, women have that okay you guys I can't get into it I can't get into that right now um then another thing that I really love when this happens we got one of my favorite things uh which is after a team loses the challenge or the team sport whatever 
you get these in the moments of them saying stuff like I think it was Kristen who said like we, I feel like we deserve to win I thought we put more energy into it <laughs> it's like deserve to win why do you think that the other team won girl um Rachel also cries uh, for the second time in two episodes. She was cry, cry, crying after Matt said that prayer. And now she's really sad that her team didn't win and get to spend more time with him. Rachel, we're, we're concerned for you. What's going on, girl? She's crying a lot. So with that, we are headed to the night portion of the group date. Uh, the women are all sitting around, and of course, we have to do the obligatory, like, always kind of restating the stakes and the premise of the show. It never fails to amaze me, like, how many different combinations of words we can say that, like, describe what's happening on the show. So girls, you know, girls are saying, like, Getting a rose this week uh, means you really stood out in a group. It means Matt is interested in seeing what this could be and spending more time with you. It's like, yeah, that's, yep, we get that. (laughs) And then we get a bunch of different girls saying that same thing in different words Um, because we have to understand the stakes and the premise, and there's not much to it, but if you keep combining those in different ways, we'll keep watching for 20 fucking years or whatever it is. How long ago? I only came in... Full transparency, I only came in for Ari's season, so I'm relatively new. I'm a toddler in Bachelor Nation, um, but I'm I'm learning quickly. I already have a podcast. I'm uh, excelling beyond my peers. The first conversation of the night is uh, Jasenia, and she uh, it was not great for me. I didn't love watching this conversation. There's a sort of there's a way in the bachelor universe um, where kind of like baggage or straight up trauma is kind of this like emotional currency that like acts as a stand in for connection with the lead. We often see it like a few episodes down the line. It feels like, you know, week five or week six, we're seeing you on the night date and it's like, okay, time to disclose your trauma. Um, and and that's the time. And, and then the lead is kind of, it's on them to say like, you're so strong and I would never put you through that. And it just makes me, you know, care for you all the more. Um, but it's not, I mean... We do, when we see genuine connection on the show, I think it stands out. And that stuff, like, it's just a weird, it's a weird currency in this universe. And it's fascinating when the connection is genuine and you can tell that people are really getting into it with someone that they are really digging. Um, But like, Jasenia, as in a lot of cases, she didn't really seem to be receiving any cues from Matt that they were in kind of an intimate conversation or that they were getting down to that kind of stuff. So it was a little contrived uh, for me, the way she kind of just dove into it. Obviously, we don't see, you know, what happens earlier in the conversation. Maybe maybe there's stuff that's edited out that we don't see. But from what we saw, her kind of laying this stuff out about her family, it felt like yeah, it wasn't it wasn't super reciprocal. And Victoria speaks to this exact thing a few minutes later when she says, sharing my things wasn't enough to have me stand out, <laughs> which 
I love. That is the situation, uh, and her just laying it bare like that uh, really made me happy. Speaking of Victoria, she gets the next conversation, and ooh, boy, talk about contrived. I, oh, I don't know. I, I think she's really trying, um, but it's clear that Matt is, like, not that into her. Uh, she asks for a kiss that really was, like, not coming to her otherwise and I hate that you know I feel bad for the lead in that situation it feels like they're sort of under pressure to acquiesce or the moment happens too quickly and they might not have time to react uh, the way they might otherwise want to um, so yeah I hate the ask for a kiss I, I especially that blunt I just feel like when the vibe is right, uh, I mean, you know when it's time to kiss. We all know when it's time to kiss. Uh, <laughs> so Lauren gets the next conversation, um, and she comes off as very charming. I, I really liked Lauren in this, and she actually ends up getting the group date rose. Next, we're heading to the other one-on-one -on -one of the week, and it goes to Sarah. Uh, Sarah, who I can't stop thinking of Annie Sullivan in Schitt's Creek, uh, looks so much like her. Um, and they have, you know, a classic, a good old-fashioned plane date. I'm into it. Uh, we haven't gotten that much, you know, there, I don't think there's anything with Tasha. They were pretty locked down. So, you know, um, we haven't really seen plane dates since Pilot Peter. I've sort of missed them. It felt cute. It was nice. Uh, the whole day and, and night are going really well. And Sarah is, uh, she's kind of hesitant to open up to Matt about complicated issues with her family. Her dad has ALS. And she quit her job to be a caregiver for him. Um, God, I, that is so fucking sad. It's really tragic. Um, that is really hard. And I really admire her and give her props for that um so yeah so she's having a hard time opening up to matt but when she does he really receives it well and it's the site of a nice emotional connection um but bone to pick with matt <laughs> he keeps really throwing me because he keeps calling her dad pops like even in serious moments <laughs> like God, that must be really hard for you and your pops. Stuff like that. It, uh, it's bizarre. I, I don't know what that's about. <laughs> um, oh, okay, yeah. And last thing, you know, he we get a voiceover of him. Of course, she gets the rose, right? We get a voiceover of him describing what he loves about Sarah. And I just want to pause here and say, if you're going to describe a woman, don't lead with the adjective selfless just I mean yeah it's a it's a great quality for someone to have but don't lead with that lead with something else um about a woman okay that's a PSA uh they also get a hot tub makeout. it's it's hot I'm into it they both have incredible bodies so they should be making out in hot tubs on my tv so with Sarah and Lauren and Brie all having roses, we're headed into the cocktail party tonight. Abigail has the first conversation, and she does something brilliant. She devises, she proposes to Matt that they devise a secret signal 
for uh, that they can give each other from across the room if all the other women are there to signify that they are thinking about each other or, you know, feeling sweet towards one another, digging on each other, just kind of like got my eyes on you, thinking of you, feeling affectionate um, about it. And that's really fucking smart. I've never seen it before. I don't know if it's been ever done before. Um, but I got to hand it to Abigail. It's a savvy move. It really is. So good on her. Meanwhile, (laughs) Marilyn is like absolutely losing her mind over, um, him being nice to her question mark. Uh, there's orchids involved. He gives her an orchid. Oh, right. Okay. He gives her an orchid that, um, you know, producer stashed behind a chair or whatever, And Marilyn, like, this is, like, the nicest, most, like, generous, benevolent thing I think that anybody has ever done for her because she's, like, losing her mind. (laughs) Um, uh, Marilyn, I, yeah, I want more for you, all right? So we're getting, you know, kind of extension of the Victoria drama. We're kind of going into, like, now classic one-on-one girl beef it's unclear how this really starts um but of course victoria goes to uh wait what's the bachelor's name oh matt (laughs) uh goes to matt and uh doesn't really say anything but gives some generic uh speech about how marilyn is really toxic and she just wants matt to know something about i had to sleep on the couch she's really not being specific or saying anything that happened and it's it's very confusing um but Matt I mean you know Matt is gonna fall directly into this trap he just doesn't have the savvy of the show to like not be totally sucked in so you you see it coming right and I love his quote when he's saying like you know he's only ever had a good experience with Victoria he says why would she make something like this up like um Matt do you know anything about the show that you are on this is a tried and true move and she's executing it clumsily uh but you don't need to fall for it we also get a nice little treat um a little delectable treat uh where I don't even remember the quote but Victoria of course calls herself an empath um it really it feels like we're playing idiot bingo it feels a little too on the nose um yeah i i love it i hate it victoria of course you said that now i also want to say because of course this is something we get every season um the triangulating and the trying to turn the lead against a girl that you have beef with and you know we saw it with noah and ben both I mean, we get it both ways, right? Bachelor, bachelorette, doesn't matter. Um, I want to say, like, if I'm just putting myself in the position of the lead, and if this, if I were in this situation, I would say, I literally do not give a shit how you treat each other when I'm not around. I really don't. It doesn't matter to me. It's none of my business. I, I don't give a shit. Uh, do whatever you want. Just don't let it, like don't let it be around me yeah it's always weird when they get sucked in I I feel like I would just yeah I can't find it in me to care 
So in the tale that Victoria is spinning to Matt um, is that Marilyn is toxic. Marilyn is bullying her. They love throwing around the word bullying on this show. Um, and and Marilyn is insisting that she did not say those things, that that's not her, and she's here for Matt. And I this is just my read, but I kind of believe her. Something about Marilyn was coming off as pretty sincere to me um, because she does seem humble in in the apology conversation that she tries to have with Victoria. It did seem like she was coming from pretty like an open and genuine place. Um, It seems like she wants to straighten things out. Of course, Victoria does not. And we get kind of the most delicious moments that we get all episode long are when Victoria makes a big show of not wanting to sit on the same couch as Marilyn. And Marilyn even wants to sit closer to her. She says, it's really loud in here. Can I just sit here? And Victoria moves to be further away from her. So this is when Victoria flips for me. And this is when I start thinking, okay, she's self-aware. She's got to be. This whole conversation, it's like a little too put on. The way that she interrupts Marilyn's apology and says, yes, I accept your apology. Thank you. Um, I think she showed her hand a little bit. It was a little too on the nose. Um, yeah, I'm I'm starting to think that she is self-aware. And this conversation proved that for me. I'm sure I'll flip a few more times, but that's how I'm feeling right now. MJ, uh, who is big on energy, which we know because she has long wavy hair, um, and she also says she's big on energy, uh, she senses that the energy in the room is bad. Um, I love that. <laughs> like any, uh, any normal person with like a basic read on social cues and emotions it feels like probably most people would be able to tell um, that the energy in the room was bad. But I'm I'm grateful to MJ for observing it and putting it all on the table to make sure. So we're at the rose ceremony and the women with roses in their hands uh, are Rachel, Sarah and Bree already have theirs, Abigail, Chelsea, Serena C, Jacenia, Maggie, Piper and Katie uh, and Lauren already has one as well and that's when um, we see Sarah have kind of a minor medical episode it seems like she's maybe about to faint she stumbles off the platform um, and is getting some medics attention when we get hit with the dreaded to be continued Ugh, to be continued who do you think this is boy meets world come on not when my bracket is at stake, you guys. Um, <laughs> I I fell for it. I, I did exactly what they wanted me to do. I feel frustrated and anxious for more. So I will be back next week. You guys know I'll be back next week. It's like they don't got to, you know, got to pull tricks on me to make me come back and watch this stupid show that rots my brain. I'm there every fucking week. I'm there. I'm in. I'm strapped. I hope that you guys will be back to uh, truly, really, thank you so much for listening. I have a bonus episode coming out later this week that I'm really excited about, and I'll be recapping episode three like normal.
next week. I'm Julia Delois. This is Bachelor Theory.